This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land. We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. Happy Valentine's week. Thanks, babe. My boyfriend and I watched that episode. Have you watched The Last of Us? Are you watching any of that? No. I heard someone talking about it at the gym. Oh, okay, great. We get it, Errolds. You go to the gym. When I was at the gym, lifting weights, <laughs> really heavy ones and looking fantastic. Well, you'll need that strength in the once the infected gets in and we move into a post-apocalyptic world. Anyway, there's a yes, big episode in which there was a big gay love story of um, Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett uh, playing this beautiful gay couple who live together in the post-apocalyptic wasteland and then eventually, spoiler alert, die. But it was very sweet and romantic in a, in a well, very nerdy way. Question, Tom, are there any heterosexual, is there any heterosexual representation in media anymore? <laughs> yeah, what? Did is you there any hetero that? news anymore? <laughs> Who was that again? Darren Hinch. Darren fucking <laughs> You know what? It's true. I haven't seen any straight couples or <laughs> narratives on my screen for some time. Erasure. Heterosexuality erasure. <laughs> what would you say was the greatest love story on Valentine's Day? I'm obligated to say it was Bill Shorten and the MyGov app. <laughs> We're a Labour podcast now. <laughs> what was he doing? What was this? Well, I actually, I went and looked for the memes because I thought he was making like way more memes than this. He just posted like a couple of memes on the theme of the MyGov app being your Valentine, right? So it's got like Rose and... What's the Leo? I haven't seen Titanic. That's insane. But that classic, the one where they're on the boat and she is my gov. Mm-hmm. There were more, I think, but like. There's one from Brokeback Mountain, I Can't Quit You. Oh, and it's yeah. Heath Ledger hugging my gov, of course. Um, yeah. There's uh, Julia Roberts from, what's that, Sleepless in Seattle? I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to download the my gov app. that's from? Hmm. Is that, isn't that something like that? Um, yes. So it was basically to plug or celebrate the fact that MyGov is a popular app and yeah. expressing our love for this particular part of uh, the Australian social welfare state that people have literally mm. have to get in order to just survive and yeah. operate and have the basic admin of their welfare and taxes taken care of. I would argue like particularly for people our age or I don't know anyone who's ever been on welfare in Australia in the last 10 years. Yes. Like when you say MyGov, most or MyGov memes, most associated with like there is no terror, like yes. seeing you have a new MyGov message in your fucking app or whatever, log in to see it. Like the most terrifying thing you can ever see. And yeah, in the context of like an ongoing Royal Commission into robo debt, <laughs> like exposing how incredibly cooked and punitive and awful our welfare system is. And Bill Shorten's like, download the app that has it all. <laughs> that I have a crush on. People probably think of MyGov as like a toxic ex, like the worst relationship yes, of their entire life. that is so life. true. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, not, and he's it's like, so- give it another try. It's been to therapy. <laughs> MyGov, we need to break up. But then the thing, like, yeah, obviously they're meant to be like somewhat cringe memes. I think there's a difference between incredibly tone deaf and even like offensive and cringe. Yeah. But they, I guess they were probably both. 
And so then, yeah, a few outlets, like news outlets wrote about it. And then Bill Shorten posts, or Bill Shorten's little, like, 19-year-old interns um, <laughs> post. Uh, all the twigs. All the twigs who work the twinks, in leave, leave exactly. Offices. Like, posted some meme about, like, oh, because of the bad press, now we got number one downloaded app. So, and we beat the KFC app during O-Week. And what a fucking success. And I would say, like, if I was in Bill Shorten's office, I probably would be like, what a success, because a lot of people... We'll have seen these memes this sure. week, sadly. Um, yes. But it's worth noting the app was already number one. It's not, that's not because of the memes. Not because of the memes. Um, I don't know if more people would have downloaded the app, but more people might have heard about Bill Shorten and the Labor Party this week. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy from Notting Hill. I apologize. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like also right. like doing memes, but then surely wouldn't you also just include a, a movie that was released vaguely the last 10 years? Might be helpful, but. Well, I don't know, way. but these pop culture references, I mean, what I will say is. Uh, my little, like my sister, yeah, who is 16, mm-hmm. messaged me this week and was like, did you see the Labor meme, the 10 things I hate about you meme? Did you see this? I think it was a TikTok. Oh, yeah. And it was like the TikTok, like the, the famous part where she's like, I hate how you blah, 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 blah. And she's actually confessing her love. Uh, and they were saying it, I guess, about, I think it was a New South Wales Labor meme. So it was about Dominic Perrottet. Right. And first of all, it's oh, like- 10 things I hate about Dom, was it? 10 things I hate about Dom. Yeah, Yeah. Great. And I mean, first of all, yeah, it kind of misses the point of that speech, which is like, oh, I hate you so much and I hate that I love you, basically, which I mean, that's uh, the real truth. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> yes, she, they yeah, end like, up together. <laughs> she asked me about this being like, oh, isn't this uncharacteristically cool for a political party? Which I was like, Ugh. first of all, ranted at her about no and it's very no. common for the Labour Party to like try to use pop culture references that are often misplaced and very cringe and like extremely cynical in the context of their actual politics. Right. But I guess it probably, it seems to work. <laughs> Shout outs to Cheek Media who are posting some politically inspired Valentine's oh, yeah. Day messages. Uh, my favourite being, are you George Pell? Because you're on fire right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the far left and the far right join up together. A Liberal National Greens coalition. Pathetic. Frankly, I've always found the Greens to be a real serious danger to Australia. A serious danger to Australia. Well, we love you, dear listener. You're our Valentine. Welcome to Serious Danger, a podcast about green politics in Australia. I'm Tom Ballard. That's Emerald Moon. Moon. There you are. This is not an official Greens Party podcast. It is made possible with the help of the Green Institute, produced by Michael the Griff Griffin. This week, we are checking in on the massive fights that were going down in Parliament over housing and climate change. And we ask, mm-hmm. why? 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 Why did the Greens insist on making the big me the enemy of the good? Why, 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 indeed. Should we thank our new patrons before we get into it? Sure. We have a little list of cute little new patrons. Talia, Ashley, Leftfield, C, Jenny, Sylvie, Pavel, Pavel, sorry, Chaz, Gemma, Caitlin, Patty, Eva, Wildly Manifest, Annika, Helen, and Melissa. What cute names. You truly, you're all our Valentines this week. If you are not already a patron, please consider 
becoming one. It's literally, it's only three bucks a month. Three bucks a month. What the three fuck does that month. get you? Other than some incredible content, such as our most recent Patreon episode, which was a discussion about the 18-year plan for a Greens government, um, a speech that Max Chandler made that gave before he was an MP. And we're going to do another one that'll come out this week about the role of quote-unquote wokeness in the Greens. Mm. We have also, if you become a patron, you will not have heard the conversation with John Kadelka explaining Rusted on Bingo, which is extremely relevant this week and maybe helpful for yes. you understanding the lines that Labor is spitting out in relation to the Greens' attempts to negotiate in the balance of power in the Senate. Um, and you get all that shit and you help make the show happen because it tr- the only way that Mike, our producer, gets paid is from the Patreon contributions and the only way that the show continues is with Mike. So we need you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> If he ever leaves us, fuck this, I'm walking away too. Yeah. Before we jump into it, I wanted to just acknowledge, uh, I saw that John Pacini was tweeting about this. It is the 20-year anniversary of the protests against the Iraq War in 2003 mm. and Feb 15, 16. About a million Australians, estimated a million Australians, hit the streets across the country protesting the warmongering that was going on. We weren't, you know, the invasion didn't happen until March of 2003, but obviously there was a whole bunch of uh, drum beating going on. The Howard government was in power, losing their fucking minds, sucking off George Bush, uh, doing anything that he says. And I just thought that was interesting, first of all, to, to acknowledge that anniversary and to reflect on those protests, both they're both exciting and depressing. Like it, it is, I guess, yeah. comforting in a way to think at that time there were so many people. That's the biggest, pretty much the biggest protest in Australian history yeah. for sure. To mobilize that many of people to so who so clearly saw how bullshit this thing was, how this war was illegal, unjustified. The WMD thing was bullshit, and war wasn't going to solve anything. They had nothing to do with nine eleven, not in our name. And th- that we could mobilize so many people at that time is very exciting. What and is depressing is how it had anyway. no impact whatsoever. Um, yeah, a very sobering example to think of. You know, street protests are great. Mobilizing people, getting people on the streets is good, but fucking hell, it can be so yeah. demoralizing but, when it becomes clear the political class doesn't give a shit. But I guess, and I think, is was it John Pacini who was um, tweeting about this saying that that was kind of one of the things that radicalized him? And I suppose, yeah, that is one thing that can happen with a real, maybe it was someone else. I saw someone tweeting that that was a moment that they definitely got like quite political, ra- politically radicalized seeing that. So yeah, the, prote- those- the failure of the protest or the protest itself. Yeah, honestly, the failure right. of the protest. Um, yeah. and yeah, having a, a moment like that can really, I guess, switch people's brains on in a yeah. way. And yeah, there certainly would be many people who have memories of that as like their first protest, or yeah, as a kind of defining moment in the development of their politics. You think you were there, but you're not sure. I think I yeah. You asked me if I was there, and I just <laughs> am like like I remember being. Because I remember being, I'm pretty sure it was at Top Park in Byron with my dad at some sort of peace rally. But I don't remember if that, like, I may have been to a few of those. I was often just at events <laughs> where people were talking about peace. Like, okay. it could have been literally anything. But it was, I reckon it would have been around that time. Very possible that it was one of the protests against the Iraq War. In Byron, people are regularly hitting the streets just going, peace just, is good. Honestly, yes. Like, I'm like, oh, people have lots of peace signs and are, like, talking about make love, not war. Like, yes. Are we at, I don't know, a doof? Is this someone's birthday party? I don't know. Yeah. And also, it's still fucking insane that the war powers is invested in the executive in this country. Yeah. So the prime minister can just say, we're going to war, everyone. Doesn't have to get approved by parliament. Completely anti-democratic, an absolute disgrace. 
War Powers Reform, we might put a link in the show notes too, do great work. So, you know, I've been long time advocating on this, this ridiculous idea that the supposedly people's representatives in the parliament uh, don't actually have a say and don't actually give the sign off as to whether or not we go to war as a country, um, which would have been at least handy to, you know, the Labor Party was opposed to the Iraq invasion at the time. It would have been good to actually at least have that fucking debate rather than just say, we trust you, Johnny, go for it. And then a million people die. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> That's what I reckon. After a wasted decade under the last government, we know you elected us to take real climate action. Thankfully, the shit party set the bar so low we could come up with the shit light policy and you'd still applaud us for it. So that's what we've done. Safeguard mechanism. Well, Emerald, it was nice to go from last week when everyone was laughing at us to this week when everyone's back to just hating us. You know, doesn't that feel like a nice return to regular scheduling for the Greens? It is the classic Greens <laughs> oscillation between, like, powerless and pathetic and yes. all-powerful and awful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they, didn't even, they passed legislation without – they didn't even need our votes and they're still angry at us. And we're still – yeah, yeah. <laughs> Living in their uh, head with a frozen rent. Mm. <laughs> brilliant. Thanks. That's relevant. It's a segue. <laughs> Uh, two big fights that went down in Parliament this week. Um, Parliament stops working again. Parliament barely ever sits. They're, they're finishing this week. And Which the is next, good, this legis- by the way, because it's awful. <laughs> oh, it is awful. Okay, for people who work there, for the rest of us, we think, do your fucking jobs. But, um, uh, yes, the, the actual end result of this legislation is still TBC. So it's still, so both these bills that we're going to talk about, the safeguard mechanism and the housing bill, are still yet to go through the upper house of the Senate. Not over yet, baby. It's not over yet, baby. We've got a big old fight, but certainly the- uh, Ding, ding. Beginning round one, round, round yeah, round one went down uh, this week, and uh, we'd like to talk about them because fucking hell, this may be so angry, but also there's a lot of funny content in there too. So something, something for everyone, I reckon. It's also somewhat like I would start it by, and I've had yeah different conversations with different people this week about whether this makes you like stressed, sad, angry versus kind of hopeful. Because to me, my first instinct is, oh my god, the Greens having power. Like yes. legislative, actual legislative power, which is the thing that we are always trying to fucking get. That's exciting to me, even though it is incredibly stressful. Yes. It's pretty cool. Look, yes. There were moments, again, putting this together, I was like constantly getting triggered and infuriated by <laughs> Labor comments and the, the insane media coverage of, of all this stuff, the bad representation, the scolding, the yeah. fucking Canberra press gallery brains <sighs> reporting stuff, you, literally using the term letting the perfect be the enemy the good as if that's like an... You know, not uh, an unbiased, non-ideological phrase. Yeah, uh, just playing that out there constantly. As though, yeah, that's right. And then I remembered, no, this is all. That's what all, it's all designed to do. This is all part of the process, and they wouldn't be doing this if, mm-hmm. as you say, the Greens didn't actually have power, and we're actually mm-hmm. exercising that power. Yeah. You know, running on, pushing for the agenda that we run won a bunch of yeah. seats on. They could actually, yeah, make like material difference in people's lives. Like, yes. that's pretty fucking incredible, and that's what we do it for. So, you know, yes. Well, I got into it to fuck over homeless people and veterans, and that, and that oh, I was really true. excited to see that playing out this week in, yeah, in the parliament. Exactly. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, me for was, me, it was domestic violence survivors. Obviously, um, yes. I, you were always yeah, telling me how much you against, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the safeguard mechanism. The Greens have offered the government their necessary support for its signature climate change legislation, with a single condition that new coal and gas projects are blocked from development. Just one. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. Right? 
The government will introduce its Safeguard Mechanism Bill to the Parliament this week, which would require the nation's top polluting facilities to reduce their emissions by 4.9% each year to 2030 or face penalties. Ooh. The mechanism oh, no. is the core of the government's plan to reduce emissions by 43% by the decade's end. The Greens say it's a weak target and hold concern that the Safeguard Mechanism would allow facilities to buy offsets that cover that obligations instead of cutting emissions. I'm sure at some point we should go deeper into the insanity of carbon credits offsets. and how dodgy that system is yeah, and offsets. like, yeah. yes. No good. But ignore all that. Greens leader Adam Bant says the party is willing to put aside those concerns if the government will accept a single amendment to block new coal and gas projects. We're prepared to live with all the bad stuff, give Labor's team a go if Labor is prepared to stop opening coal and gas mines. The coalition has said no, they're not interested. That means the government needs the Greens to get this through Parliament. We're up for good faith discussions, but the sticking point at the moment is new coal and gas projects. That was the opening gambit. That was the big interview, the story of the week. Sounds like a pretty reasonable fucking compromise to be, Emerald. What do you think? Well, yeah, and what's interesting is we're literally saying, you know what, we realise we're probably not going to be able to get the perfect bill, which would not allow bullshit fucking like emissions accounting and offsets. And there was even, I think there was some full expose, I don't know if it was in The Guardian or uh, in the ABC just in the past week about uh, major offsets, like uh, offshore offset scheme where it was just complete bullshit and people were buying credits to offset their emissions in this forest that was actually being logged. <laughs> that's that's a very <laughs> short version, but that's that's completely typical of offsets. They don't make sense. Yes. And yeah, like this is as the Greens have sort of been pointing out, like this is Tony Abbott's mechanism. This is Tony Abbott's climate yes. thing that the Labor Party is reheating and being like, <laughs> let's continue this and this is our climate plan. And we're still being like, look, we know you're so fucking shit on climate and like so wedded to your coal and gas donors that you won't drop that stuff. But maybe just maybe you will stop literally like pouring petrol on the fire and approving new coal and gas mines. Yes. Is that something that maybe you would consider not doing perhaps? Maybe not. Maybe don't do that. Maybe don't do that. I think it's rude. The Greens didn't give any, any indication that this was their position. At no point have they campaigned True. relentlessly on a slogan of no new coal and gas. It's just yeah. sort of like, what the fuck's all this now? Yeah, you don't I know. Like For them f- to suddenly turn around bridges? and say no new coal and gas, it is a bit of a shock. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this chat I heard from Sarah Hansen Green, environmental spokesperson? Sarah Hansen Green? Sarah Hansen Green. Sarah Hansen Young. Green Young. Young Green. Tim Apple. Uh, environmental spokesperson. Adam said this too. It's an offer, not an ultimatum. I guess wasn't mm. being caught on this idea of like this is this is we walk away if this doesn't get to get a look in. What do you think? It's of that? interesting, right? Because like I don't really I I understand why we would be saying that because I think we are in a somewhat defensive position against the perfect being the enemy of the good and the greens blocking progress narrative. We know we always knew that that would be um, leveled against us, yep. and so I would say like that that language is designed to to counter that. But at the same time, it's like, but if you are negotiating, like, doesn't this kind of make it sound like we're going in saying, look, we're offering this, but we might buckle? Uh, although, then again. I suppose we could shift from this initial offer being no new coal and gas to, for example, a climate trigger in the laws that would prohibit the federal environment minister from approving new coal and gas mines or projects that will that will emit more than a certain level of of greenhouse Mm. gases. So I suppose in in that regard, maybe, yeah, maybe the guess or what they're thinking is that we may be able to get that even if we can't get a complete moratorium. 
Right, and this envi- the new environmental laws are coming. I think that's still TBC. There's, a, there, there's legislation mm, coming down, that's that, right. at least Labor's version of it, after this big report into environmental laws. So, yeah. you know, you could imagine a scenario in which we come out of the safeguard mechanism negotiations with a commitment to install a climate yes. trigger in that in that legislation down the track. You know, yes. you, you could imagine. But, of course, this is all negotiation. You put out an opening gambit. You say, this is what we believe in. This is what we voted for. This is what mm-hmm. we won on. This is what we believe. This is This is what the International Energy Agency the United Nations have all made it very clear we cannot have new Extremely fossil fuel clear. projects in order to meet our Paris goals. And yeah. motherfucking Labor, Resources Minister Madeleine King, will happily quote the International Energy Agency and their expertise mm. whenever they're saying, oh, we're going to need gas, like we need more gas in order to help this transition. Happy to cite them on that conveniently ignoring the fact that they've been extremely clear that you cannot open new coal and gas projects yeah. if we are, have any hope of sticking to Paris targets. I mean, aren't they also citing all of the like fossil fuel corporations who back in their climate legislation as though that's an argument for why it's good? <laughs> like they're like, come on, BHP wants this? Like Santos wants this? I don't know what, what the Greens' fucking problem is. This is exactly what the fossil fuel corporations want. So can you stop? <laughs> few more info to fill out the picture here. According to the Australian Institute, their State of the Climate Nation report, 79% of Australians support a phase-out of coal-fired power stations. 57% support a moratorium on new coal and gas. Okay, so most people agree with have listened to the science and understand that. 80% support inserting a climate trigger into environmental approvals. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, 57% isn't that high. But I guess, yeah, it is a majority. Like, it's it's certainly... You wouldn't think that with that level of support, the Labor Party's opposition to a moratorium would be as emphatic. I suppose it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Australia Department of Industry, Resources and Energy has recorded more than 100 coal and gas projects either in development or under consideration with commercial start dates before 2030. So these are the mm. kind of projects we'll be looking at saying no-go, including massive projects like the Scarborough Gas Project, which will kill us all if it goes ahead, and the Browse <laughs> Gas Project as well in WA. Mm-hmm. And importantly, doing no new column gas, that's how you actually make the safeguard mechanism work, right? Like we have analysis cl- making mm-hmm. it very clear that if you open new coal and gas, you're not going to get a 43% reduction by 2030. We're yeah. trying to help you, Labor. We're trying to help you achieve your own shitty target, for God's sakes. This is yeah, the only way to do it. that's what the mechanism is meant to do, right? Like it is the the mechanism by which you achieve the emissions reduction targets. Yes. Uh, but it is like simply a scientific fact that you will not achieve those with new coal and gas. Yes. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know it, (laughs) taking this kind of position unleashed the demon of the CPRS in 2009. We're going again, baby. There are only two issues in Australian politics. Greens voting against CPRS, vote people coming to kill us all. Both (laughs) of them revived in the past week, by the way. So it's wonderful. We get to just relive. 2009 Australian to politics. 2012, again and again and again. It's yeah, Redux, again baby. And again, which is a very, you know, turbulent time in my life. I would like to move on from <laughs> that period, if I'm quite honest, <laughs> for personal reasons, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Give those flashbacks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had Tanya Plibersek saying, you you did this last time. Tanya Plibersek got in Parliament and said, I, you know, we have a target of 43%. I want you to back that. It's like, we did, lady. We voted. We voted for your goddamn 43% yeah. reduction target. Like, remember when yeah. that all happened? And then when that. you use the CPRS thing on that as well? Yeah. 
Tandy Plibersek, um, fucking everyone, say 2009, they failed to support the Carbon Pollution Reduction Scheme. What they did is teamed up with the Liberals and the Nationals to oppose, to make sure there was no action on climate change nearly 13 years ago. It would be sabotaging climate action. And we've we've been through it many times before, but, like, obviously that's bullshit because what happened was we actually negotiated a better package with Gillard yes. and yes. Labor are the ones who fucking knifed her. Yeah. Incredible. Um, clearly there was a directive, and we'll get to this in the housing uh, discussion too, but clearly there was a directive sent down from Labor HQ, go hard on the Greens, please. Here are your talking points. Mm. Everyone, every backbencher, <laughs> new elected backbencher that everyone loves, head out there, record a video to social media, attack the Greens, attack the Greens, attack the Greens as much mm-hmm. as possible. And, again, we'll see that a bit more in the um, in the housing chapter. But Sally, Sally Situ gave a press conference, again, trying to underline this idea that the Greens were somehow moving into coalition with the coalition and – this may be so furious. She told the Greens, Stop chasing policy nirvana and let's get this done. Policy nirvana, please don't make it literally impossible for <laughs> us to not all fucking die. Wow. Bloody utopians. To the coalition, this is something that the business are backing. It's even the policy that you created. It's even the policy that you created. To the coalition, it's even the policy that you created. The most basic measure of not doing uh, opening new coal and gas, which again, recommended by the International Energy Agency, the UN physics, science, <laughs> logic. This is policy nirvana. That's crazy. And it is the move, right? So the perfect being yeah. the enemy of the good is, is painting anything further to the left, more uh, robust than whatever Labor is proposing. That's ridiculous. Uh, that's uh, that's policy nirvana. That's perfect. That's unreasonable. Everything within the Greens, pol- the Labor policy is the centrist, sensible, reasonable um, expectation, and that's therefore sign up to it, you fucking cowards. But there are a few, like, y- you're right that it is kind of remarkable that this perfect being the enemy of the good phrase is rolled out uncritically Yes. By the like, just as, as though it makes sense. When it's like, why don't you actually, if you kind of pull apart even just the phrase itself, it's like, so first of all, why should we not fight for perfect? Yes. If you think that our policy is perfect, you should vote for it. Like, yes. if we've got a perfect climate policy, fantastic, <laughs> let's do it. Second of all, like, yeah, you would have to actually, then, then if you're like, oh, okay, but we've got something good. But because it's not perfect, you don't want to support it. But this is not good. Your policy is not good in any way. No. Like it's it's actually bad. It's I'd actually bad, bad yeah. no, to I'd improve new bad. coal and gas mines. Yes. I wouldn't say that's like good but not perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, just the whole thing is just so fucking bullshit. And, yeah, like the fact that media will just eat it, like gobble it up and then regurgitate it onto their stupid little newspapers yes. is incredible and particularly incredible. Someone, This is not my take. This was uh, someone else was saying like it's interesting that journalists, particularly in the press gallery, who – usually want to have their own special take, like they want to have their special little uh, analysis and understanding of what's going on and yet are content to just use the one that everyone has been using for more than 10 fucking years. Yes. Don't they want to have a new opinion? A fresh new take. But but then I'm like, yeah, but this is so entrenched in the like, you know, 
I don't know, the, the, the law of Australian yep. politics in recent history, yes. that it's like this kind of, it's like an insider language thing. It's like, I get the biggest in joke, whatever reference. I, I understand the reference, like the Ozpol reference. Yep. And so just dropping it wherever you can is this real like insidery wink to each other. Mm. This thing of like CPRS, we're hashtag Ozpol folks. Right, yep. which is just so sickening in itself. Like, just report the fucking news. No one cares that you've been fucking like watching Q and A for fifteen mm. years. In fact, I think it's repulsive, and you should get a life. And it's not biased <laughs> to start. Your starting position should be: what is the issue? What is the actual problem that is yes. trying to be solved here? The problem that is solved here is the Earth is on fucking fire. <laughs> Science is telling us what we need to do in order to avoid that as much as possible for Australia to play its role as a good climate citizen. Okay, so that should be your baseline. It's not biased to report these kind of facts and lay out what the scientific case is. Then you move to: okay, what is our political class doing about it? Mm-hmm. Well, the Labor is offering this legislation. This is what they say it will do. This does not correlate with the scientific mandate mm-hmm. to try and do something about science, uh, climate change. Yep. Why are the Greens opposing this or fighting for something something better? Like what are the actual reasons for the Greens, you know, talking about changing the legislation that the Labor Party is proposing? Well, because of, because of this, this and this, because it's clearly they, they've pointed out the gap between what Labor is offering and the actual science and the task at hand. You know, I, there is seriously Canberra journalists who think that that would be a biased, that would be sound like it was ad- activist journalism advocating for the Greens as opposed to actually explaining the issues that are actually at play here when it comes to the goddamn climate crisis. Mm. What do you think about the argument from Labor that they don't have an electoral mandate to legislate a moratorium on new coal and gas and so they would be like betraying the voters of Australia mm. if they were to do that? The voters of Australia, 50% of, 7% of whom want a moratorium on coal and gas. Yeah. Well, I was thinking when I was researching all this, I thought, you know what? If I didn't want the Greens to have any influence on a legislation as a government, I would simply win a majority in both houses of parliament. That's how I would go about doing <laughs> That's that. That's what I would do, personally. <laughs> personally, yeah. that would be the simplest way. No. We have a parliamentary democracy. You have to get legislation through both houses of parliament. And look, Labor knows all this, by the way. It's all bullshit. It's all just fronting and trying to get some kind of, um, you know, media attention, whip up the, the sympathies of Canberra journalists, try and demoralise Greens MPs, try and make them under attack, try and uh, capitalise out of this controversy in our party's history to try and beat us into submission. So it's all bullshit. They know it's all true. They know eventually they're going to have to come down to to negotiate with the Greens. As Chris Bowen is talking about, like Chris Bowen is sort of like, hey, the guy who actually has to negotiate <laughs> yeah, this. He's always has, like, yeah. let's all just calm down. We'll listen and we'll talk about sort of issues and that kind of thing. Yes, so in order to get your legislation through, you might have to do something that wasn't 100% in your manifesto or your, your, in your, your policy platform. Guess what? That's democracy. That's the way our parliament actually works. Yeah. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in the intelligence of the Australian people, you should be able to explain that because it's an extremely compelling case as to why this moratorium should be introduced. Mm. Well, this is what makes me wonder. I mean, the stuff with Chris Bowen being a little softer on this because he actually has to do the negotiations. Yeah. Like what is Labor's... I'm curious about them going so incredibly hard against the Greens on both this and on on the housing legislation, which I think we'll get into in a little bit. But, yeah, when they know that, like, it's clear that they need us to pass the legislation. So something's got to fucking give. And so I'm so curious to see how they will then suddenly, how they'll attempt to shift the narrative Mm. when they eventually do have to make their legislation better because the Greens fought for it. Yes. And once again, a reminder, if the Greens were to vote down the safeguard mechanism, 
the parliament doesn't explode, okay? The, yeah. All the legislation doesn't disappear into thin air and some <laughs> referee doesn't come down and say, well, you had your one chance, everyone, that's it. Yeah. The CPRS was voted down by the parliament. They then negotiated further with the coalition, then reintroduced that same legislation, okay? Yes, we obviously have time pressures, but, you know, a couple of months doesn't make much difference in, in the terms of things, in terms of actually getting, mm. you know, climate legislation right. Labor will present it as if this is our one chance and if you vote against this, then you hate the environment, you hate koalas and, and the Great Barrier Reef, of course. But it's bullshit. No, the Greens will use their power, say, no, we, we can't abide by this. This is part of the negotiation tactic. Again, I come back to what Tim Hollow told me on my podcast when I asked him about the CPRS. He was a staffer, Christine Milne. We've had one on the show before. Voting, you have to be able to vote no in order to have any influence in negotiations whatsoever. And yeah. in fact, the 2009 CPRS example <laughs> feeds into our sense of power today, right? Because yeah. we've proven as a party that we will vote vote no on this. We will stare, stare this down and stand by our principles because we believe, we know better. we can do better and we want something yeah. better. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, shout outs to Rachel Withers in the monthly. One of the very few opinion writers I see that yes. ever actually gives the green yes. an actual decent run and actually understands what they're talking about. She wrote a piece called The Perfect, A Perfect Storm, which we'll link through in the show notes, which is definitely worth a read there. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, how do you think it's going to play out? So we've got a couple of weeks before Parliament comes back and this legislation is yet to go through the lower house too, right? So we're going to have the lower house debate and then, and then the Senate as well. What, what would you, what's your money on about how the safeguard no, mechanism I, will go? I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, that we could, I, I think we could get something like a climate trigger in environment yep. laws. I mean, even particularly the, like, Tanya Plibersek's rejection of Palmer's um, Central Queensland coal mine is an interesting indication to me that they may be open to a climate trigger in environmental mm. laws, even though obviously that rejection wasn't in theory because of the climate impacts of yep. that mine. It it shows that like, yeah, I think that they would be open to considering the fact that our fucking environmental laws should take account of the biggest threat to our environment yes. right now, which is climate change. Yeah. Surely. And look, I guess in Labor Brain, I can understand the logic like, yeah, let's say the most sympathetic to the climate cause member of the Labor Party would say, yeah, they'd like to get into a position in which the climate laws, the climate trigger exists in the environmental laws, which effectively means that no fossil fuel project would get up. They'd like to have that reality without having to say no coal and gas. You know, like with the, yeah. I actually think it's the moratorium and actually saying to the yeah. industry, yes, which is a Greens thing. So, of course, if the Greens get that win, then that's no good. But if yeah. the end result is no new fossil projects get up um, under climate trigger legislation. Now, I don't know what that means for like the Scarborough Gas Project. I assume the Scarborough Gas Project has basically gone through all the approvals process like it is it is barreling on so i'm not sure whether you introduce the climate trigger into environmental legislation going forward whether what where mm. that leaves scarborough i don't know but um yeah yeah where is that up to in terms of approvals i mean i'm i'm pr almost positive that the certainly at the state level it's got all the approvals and it's still sort of going ahead mm. beetaloo basin etc yeah that's we'll a good question at what point then yeah like how far along it would need to be advanced before it would be immune from referral to like under the EPBC. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah! I'm a things my way. It's my way. My way or the highway. This time I'ma let it all come out. This time I'ma stand up and shout. I'm a things my way. It's my way. My way or the highway. Check out. Check, check out. Go.
other big one was housing legislation. Labor rammed its $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund legislation through the lower house this week. We thought we were going to have some negotiations. Housing spokesperson Max Chandler-Mather was like, yo, Labor, let's chat about this housing shit. Mm. They were like, nah, bro, put this legislation straight through. A reminder, the fund is meant the goals of the fund is to get 30,000 social and affordable homes built over the next five years. How? Provide- we have no fucking idea. Uh, details, details. Okay, all right. And we'll also provide $200 million to repair housing in remote Indigenous communities, $100 million for crisis accommodation for women and children escaping domestic violence, and $30 million for housing for wow, veterans. Those numbers are so small. Those are like, if I saw them in a state budget, I would be like, this is way too small. It's truly pathetic. $10 billion and you're only heading out this kind of shit. $10 billion. Now that sounds great. Can we get that? That's so much. But no, we need to invest that in the stock market. Right. The Lower House Greens MP abstained on the vote. The the legislation passed, of course. Ran away uh, to avoid voting for affordable (laughs) housing, don't you mean, Tom? Scuttled out of the house, I believe. Yeah, little cockroaches. They were like, wait, (laughs) you're trying to give people housing? (laughs) Like the cockroaches in your rental property. In your, <laughs> yeah, because there are no minimum standards for renters <laughs> in this country. Uh. Um, they've stayed for the vote. Uh, it passed regardless because Labor has a majority, so it all went through. So it was, didn't need the Greens' votes, of course, in yeah. the lower house. Yeah. But um, Labor lost their fucking minds. Yeah. Now, why did we abstain? Well, because there was no negotiation and... Uh, the housing bill has a whole bunch of problems, which we'll get into in a sec. But of course, this is a tactic from the Greens to say, well, we're not going to, if we voted for it in the lower house, it would affect our ability to negotiate when this bill comes to the upper house, where we actually yeah. have the balance of power and where we can seriously yeah. push for changes. Yeah. And that's where, like, I, I don't know if others would find this slightly confusing, but it is somewhat confusing in this instance because Max, the housing spokesperson, is in the lower house, but yeah. our balance of power is in the Senate. So yes. people might kind of be like, wait, so why did, like, so he's now abstained and it's passed. Yeah. Um, but the point is that he will obviously be involved in fighting for the things that will be negotiated for our Senate MPs to support it or not support it. Yes. And said we reserve our decision because obviously if you're going down to mm. negotiate to change it in the upper house, they can say, well, you voted for this in the lower house, so what the hell are you doing? So mm. it's actually perfectly reasonable and the correct thing to do. Yeah. And go ahead, Tom. <laughs> we can talk about how shit the bill is? Yes, I was. Okay, <laughs> the bill is real bad. Uh, Max mm. sent out an email to members this week, uh, sort of laying this out, and I did not realise how bad this was. Mm. The bill has nothing for renters, of course. Of course, Max, we talked last year about um, Max uh, gunning for a rent freeze, a national rent freeze, which is mm. something that the Commonwealth Government could make some moves towards. Um, heaven forbid that renters might have some goddamn rights in this country. But most importantly, Max lays out like this. Labor's plan does not invest $10 billion in housing. What? But they said but it it's did. the $10 billion housing fund. It will see $10 billion invested in the government's future fund, where they pay investment managers millions of dollars to invest that money on the stock market to generate a return, which might be spent on housing. Except last year, the future fund actually lost 1.2%. So if Labor invested $10 billion last year, this would have seen a $120 million loss for the housing fund and no money spent on housing. Even where Labor's housing fund does guarantee a return, their bill actually caps spending on housing at $500 million a year. Caps. Caps it. No more than that. (laughs) Housing crisis, don't care, cap. Accounting for inflation, that means spending on housing will be cut every year. 
So Labor will spend at most $500 million per year, but likely much less. Labor's claim is that the fund will finance 30,000 social and so-called affordable homes over five years. This target isn't written in the bill, though, because it's very unlikely there's enough money to do that, given the average cost of constructing a social home is three hundred grand, and $500 million could only fund 1,400 houses. But even if it does, the shortage of social housing will still increase. Australia has a shortage of 640,000 social and affordable homes. That shortage will grow by 75,000 in five years, 30,000 doesn't even match the growth, let alone touch the sides of the crisis. Oh, it's, it is shocking how bad this is, right? And I, I even think that our comms, like the Greens comms, could have emphasised more that this will could actively make things worse. Yes. Because... I heard that line coming through, like Sky News was talking about this, okay. the coverage I saw, that, that that claim was certainly out there, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, that's good because it's like this, again, is not a case of us being like, look, good step, but we want more. Yeah. It's like do not make this actively worse. I also think so this idea of creating a fund mm. where you invest on the stock market and use the returns to to fund something is familiar to me as someone who works in Queensland politics because this is something the Queensland government has been doing for yeah. for a little while and they've done it for for housing as well and they consistently call it their whatever 2 billion dollar housing fund when actually it's not that at all they're doing it for like like i think for for treaty for for a number of things they they call it this this fund and actually it's not that and like the symbolic like the symbolism as well of managing government spending in this way is so depressing to me because, yeah, it just goes to show how deeply neoliberal our yes. politics are. Like this, I, this idea of, of, yeah, investing on the free market and relying on kind of, you know, capital returns and, and, yeah. and interest on, on existing wealth or, or investments to, to fund something instead of just directly fucking funding something. That in itself is so dystopian. It's so fucking dishonest, and it is wild that up until now, and and I really hope that this is an opportunity that they for, to to have them called out more publicly on this absolute bullshit lie that they are selling the electorate when they say we have a ten billion dollar dollar investment in housing because it's a lie. Yeah. I I would have to look into it. I guarantee you, the future fund is invested in companies or investors that are mm. absolutely making the housing crisis work. So yes, this worse. housing fund yeah, would yeah. get returns from companies that are actually making everything worse. Yes. A beautiful, wonderful capitalist system that, uh, yeah, rather than just the government investing directly in fucking housing for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, even the fact that, like, affordable housing isn't even defined in the bill, I think. That's, Amazing. you know, where, where Max has put in his thread, quote, unquote, affordable homes, where we're like, what the fuck does that actually mean and how yeah. is that? almost certainly going to be some bullshit, you know, uh, incentive or subsidy for private developers who are making the housing crisis worse to, like, pretend mm. that they're helping. Yeah. Also, and, you know, there's, there's some chat about, you know, construction and timelines and there, it is, you know, there are supply chain issues and construction mm. probably does take longer. You need to make those considerations too. I mean, also, I don't know if this would be insane or would cause some kind of crazy scandal, but also the government should just fucking buy houses. Like they, they, the government could actually buy houses from the private market, turn them yeah. into socialized existing housing stock, true, and make that a lot better, right? Like yeah. that would that would you could do that quite immediately. Um, yeah, and again, and like there is there is this broader issue happening here, which is the fact that housing is treated as a commodity, a speculative yes. commodity, which 
drives the inflation of house prices, drives up rents, um, and encourages like damaging speculation, leaving properties fucking empty Mm. while land prices go up because people are just treating this as an investment rather than a place for someone to fucking live. So even things like, you know, vacancy levy, which we've spoken about at at a state level, um, would, would help in that regard. So yeah, the, the, we've, we've spoken before and you could, if you haven't heard, you could scroll back through the, the episodes when we talk about housing, but that myth of like, well, the, the supply issues or construction issues can can be taken down at least or deflated mm. at least um, when you put it into, in the context of the way that housing is fucking treated in this country. What do the Greens want? What are we asking for? Um, we laid out. This, this is all put out is in the media too. We're at the rally. What, what do we, we want? want? Four main points. I guarantee a $5 billion <laughs> investment. Well- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Max laid all this out. This is sort of doing the rounds in the media before the bill was actually went through the parliament. So the Labor Labor knows what uh, what the Greens are talking about. Guarantee of five billion dollars of investment in social and affordable housing every year, please. Not a cap of five hundred million. Thanks. Index to inflation. A freeze on rent increases and doubling of Commonwealth rent assistance. Again, we've talked about this before. Albanese said, "Oh, we need to abolish the state." private property or some shit in order to do that like no you motherfucker you can yeah, get all the state and territory leaders yeah, together never and coordinated just- like a yes. national response between states and territories before it's never happened a billion dollars for first nations housing over the next five years which is uh what was the, the original plan was um what do we got a hundred million dollars no excuse me no, it's two hundred million to repair housing in remote repair housing communities. remote indigenous communities. Okay, no, <laughs> yeah. way more than that, please. All housing through the fund should meet minimum inclusive design standards. Okay, accessibility uh, standards basic. and yeah. yeah. Uh, and as Max writes, given Labor remains committed to spending $12 billion every year on tax concessions for property investors and $254 billion <laughs> over the next decade on the stage three tax cuts, these demands are incredibly moderate. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Go, girl. The fact <laughs> is Labor doesn't have the numbers to pass this bill in their Senate and as much as I'd like to us to give up, we won't stop fighting for the millions of people this bill leaves behind. Yeah. I... I have a question, like the $500 million cap, Mm. why, what is the, have you heard any justification for that? And like what happens if the fund by some miracle returns more than $500 million in a year, where does that money go and why the fuck not spend it on housing? Nope, pop that back. That's some more money that can make some more money to never be spent on housing Right, so it just goes back into it like the speculative, the share market effectively. I guess- uh, yes, I mean, and from their point of view, you could argue, well, by putting in a cap of how much you're spending every year, you are, in a way, laying out some kind of timeline or the longevity, the long-term goal of this this fund would stay there and would right. just keep by growing and growing. how much they're going to make the housing crisis worse over the next <laughs> decade or whatever. They've got to, got to lay it out in front of us. You know, I really appreciate that certainty. So uh, Greens didn't vote for a bill because they weren't negotiated with whatsoever and they want to reserve the right to do it later and they didn't need the Greens votes in order to pass this legislation. Sounds like how Parliament works. That's, yeah, probably. Well, cue the most unhinged reactions <laughs> once again to the Greens hating hating poor people and being hypocrites when it comes to housing, even though they did it because they want more stuff for housing, which, the, I don't know, it's weird, like Labor MPs, didn't mention that. They just say like, oh, I guess the Greens hate housing people, weirdly. They didn't weirdly. mention the actual demands or yeah. how they differ from the bill being proposed. Hmm. Kind of weird. Uh, Labor Tragics on Twitter, of course. This was the, the um, 
the winner for me from Trish at Trish underscore Corey. Oh, classic. At this rate, she's like, yeah, she's like a big old trip, right? Yeah. At this rate, Adam Van better learn the words to April Sun in Cuba and learn how to fake cook a curry if he wants to keep causing pain to vulnerable people by playing politics with their lives. Amazing. She didn't mention Hawaii, which is insane. It's like, come on, that's your favourite. But what clearly happened was again- You didn't mention the hashtags. Hashtag housing crisis, hashtag disgrace, hashtag hashtag (laughs) Oswald. You know when I'm surfing, surfing the web looking at the hashtag disgrace? Disgrace. <laughs> Just to see what, what people think is a disgrace. That's how I surf surf the internet. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag green suck or something. Can I yeah. get in there? Um, yeah, clearly, and, and I know that all politicians do this. I'm sure the Greens do this as well. You know, like you, you, you send out the lines of the day or yeah. whatever. Like this is what we're saying as a party. But it, it was particularly galling to see exactly the same language repeated on these attack lines. So Dr. Annika, uh, Attica Wells and Dr. Michelle Ananda Raja, two Labor MPs, uh, came out and um, went very hard on the Greens, sort of saying, oh, the Greens say they love housing. They organise petitions. Uh, they've even data harvest on this, harvested on this issue, which is just like no one knows what the fuck that is. You yeah. data harvest all the time. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh but it's exactly the same attack lines from both. Carl. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be smug, weak and wrong all at the same time, but the Greens MPs managed it in the House of Representatives last night when they scuttled out of the chamber and abstained on this really important bill. A slap in the face for um, essential workers who are looking for a place to live, for women fleeing domestic violence, for our veterans who can't find a roof over their head, for our First Nations people who are living in squalor, in communities around this country. Now, when you come to this house, you need to decide what you are. Are you a social influencer or are you a legislator here to actually act in the national interest? Particularly galling from Ananda Raja, who was saying this is a slap in the face to First Nations people. It's like, fuck you. We're we're fighting to increase the funding for First Nations housing, you idiot. Yeah, so fucked. Especially, yeah, because, like, we haven't, like, haven't voted against the bill. Like, yes. and yeah, and as I understand it, um, and maybe you alluded to this at, at the start, but it's like, it sounds like the government also really rushed this on. So negotiations were happening and like, maybe we thought that it would be coming on later because we were still talking to the government in the lower yeah. house. And then they suddenly were like, votes happening. And so yes. the Greens were forced to abstain because they were like, wait, well, we're still fucking negotiating. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. So and I hate the phrase playing politics. Whenever anyone says that, I, I lose my fucking mind because imagine politicians doing politics. But mm-hmm. if anyone is playing politics, this is a political strategy by the Labor government. You put this through, you you try and get some momentum or try and decry uh, the Greens and their hashtag disgrace uh, to try and build some pressure to make sure they don't actually fight for anything in the upper house. It's Again, we it makes me angry, but I need to calm the fuck down and realise that it's all just it's part of the wonderful democratic process that we know and love. Isn't it fantastic? I love it. Uh, but you know what is good is that this has given us an opportunity to really strengthen our relationship with the Liberals who we've yes. been building this strong kind of coalition almost with, as I understand from some of the, the memes that I've seen going around. Well, my favourite part of this whole affair was, yes, Julian Hill, member for Bruce, the attack dog. The evidence says anyone who tries to live on $40 a day cannot actually survive. 
Yeah. The man who just bro- bro- relentlessly went against Scott Morrison when they were in opposition, uh, stayed out for Parliament and decrying the Greens for... The Greens, of course, oppose it, just as they oppose any sensible reform now that might actually make a difference if it upsets their ability to get some silly meme up on social media. The point of Parliament for the Greens is stunts and memes like this is one big never-ending episode of student politics. Labor members don't see the Parliament as an opportunity for stunts and memes. Cut to (laughs) (laughs) Labor Senator Murray Watt immediately posting a meme (laughs) that said, guess who didn't vote for Labor's $10 billion housing fund, Dutton and the Greens, the new coalition, and some bizarre Photoshop going on here to make it look like Dutton is shaking hands with Max, but then the arms don't make any sense. The hands are like upside down. And, like, strangely blurred into their suits. I mean, to be fair, like, I would say it's obviously an intensely dank Photoshop job. Yes, Um, okay. And we often talk about the fact that, like, dank often does better on socials, especially when it kind of makes people do a double take because they're like, wow, that looks weird and bad. Dog shit. So I wouldn't say this is, like, a bad piece of comms on their part. I think it gets across their message. But, yes, to then, like, to do that literally at the same time as attacking the Greens for posting silly memes. I don't know what memes they're talking about. (laughs) They're they're such fucking hypocrites. Well, no, that's sensible centrist memeing, whereas we Uh do far left memeing, and that's that's reasonable. Yes. Okay. Silly. But just on that, I mean, it, look, I, I'm sure people listening to this podcast or people who observe Australian politics are fully aware of the fact that you have a binary choice of a vote of yes or no, and there are plenty of reasons why parties on different ends of the political spectrum might oppose a piece of legislation from the Labor Party. And to lump them in as if they're working together, have the same aim or whatever is fucking bullshit, of course. And the Labor Party votes for the Liberal Party all the fucking time on cutting uh, taxes for rich people, on torturing refugees, um, on, you know, accepting massive donations from the fossil fuel industry. That's all reasonable, sensible, grown-up adult politics. Mm. Um, But if the Greens just so happen to find themselves on the same side of the chamber for completely different reasons over legislation, then we're basically the same. Why? So why are the Liberals voting against it? Do we know? Um, I don't know. It's too much money. I think it's, it's Treasury bonds for the housing legislation. It's through borrowing, so setting up the housing fund through borrowing. Um, and okay. they would argue that interest rates are too high, debt, 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 too much yeah. money, something to define themselves against. Again, I mean, what is the fucking Liberals' position on housing? What the hell do they want to do? I guess let yeah. you access your super. They're still going on about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess suppose. so. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, total bullshit. Anyway, as you say, good news week. It, it, as messy as it is, as infuriating as the Labor mm. Party is, this is – a more powerful Greens asserting their position, fighting for better things and pushing Labor into a position where Labor has to do better things, has to actually improve their legislation. I hope it results in serious concessions and something that we can like seriously point to as like this makes a real difference. This was worth worth all the pain and all the nonsense in the media. But, I mean, fucking full credit to all the Greens MPs who are who are not flinching, you know, thus far. Fine, the good fight, yeah. What do you, what do you think... That we'll get, if anything, what do you think will happen with this? On the on the housing front, yeah. I mean, yeah, more more money lifting the cap would be if it, if it was not abolishing the cap altogether. Whether you get to five hundred million to As five billion is probably ambitious. A floor, not a ceiling. Some might say <laughs> it is. I mean, it's the same thing again, right? It's like the fucking climate legislation. You would you would hope that yeah, you'd be able to make that like you, you could at least double the amount of money spent on housing, mm-hmm. um, and 
and something for renters would be fantastic. Jesus Christ. What the hell do they do? The Labor yeah. have anything to say to renters at all? Or do they just think that all their housing policies will eventually work out better for renters as they claim? I mean, I suspect that like maybe they would look at minimum, those minimum standards and like accessibility standards applying for renters as well as the new builds under the fund. Sounds like something mm-hmm. that. They would like consider just purely because I've seen Labor governments at state and territory level consider that as well. I do think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, these are like, as, as we've said, exciting and, and interesting times for the Greens and a real, the, these are like, these are the tests, right? This is the first taste of how it's going to be in this term of, mm. of government, term of parliament, um, when we are in balance of power. And I have no doubt that Labor is using this as like a testing ground to see what works. Mm. Um, and it's us, yeah, trying out our, our chops as, as negotiators as well mm. and seeing what wins we can bank up, you know, based on the platform that we took to the election that whatever, 2 million people fucking voted for. Yeah. And once again, the great irony. You want to talk about the Greens not taking lessons from 2009 CBRS? No, Labor's learnt nothing. They they still think that their strategy of scolding the Greens, attacking left, punching left constantly, ignoring the fact that we are holding out for something better, placing things in terms of all or nothing, it's either this housing legislation or nothing, is ridiculous, as if the Greens voting against this will mean that, yeah, all these vulnerable people don't get any housing whatsoever. It's just a lie, just a blatant lie, and a really cynical one too. Mm. You haven't learned. That didn't work out for you in 2010, in the 2010 election when the Greens no. vote went up significantly. You know why you then talk about all these years of climate inaction? Because you lost yeah. the election. You lost. You were Like, bad. we also, yeah, I mean, we all did pretty shit. It was a terrible yeah. fucking election. But it's like, yeah, because that was also something that you really fucked up. Yes. Yes, you dumbos. Fuck him, Starmer! Fuck him, Starmer! Fuck him, Starmer! Fuck him, Starmer! Well, bring on the hate, I say. Bring Fuck the on haters. the hate. Uh, yeah, as as you said, Tom, this is certainly not over yet. We've got, is it? I think it's like a two weeks break now, and then Parliament right. will go back, and I assume that. Both of these, the climate legislation um, and the housing bill will be back on the agenda. And in particular, the housing bill, I assume, will be in the Senate since it's now passed the House. And so we have two weeks to pressure Labor to actually negotiate in good faith with the Greens and deliver at least some of the things that we're calling for. So I know I think Max was saying, please use this time. If you have a Labor MP in particular, if you have a federal Labor MP, Contact them, call them or email them and ask them to support the Greens housing amendments. In particular, yeah, I'd be saying a rent freeze and doubling rent assistance, those accessibility standards, more money for First Nations housing and the $5 billion actual investment in social housing that's indexed. Like at least, you know, even if you don't increase the amount, at Mm. least index it so it's not going fucking backwards. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's true that, that those calls and those emails particularly if there's a lot of them and staffers are constantly having to pick up the fucking phone and deal with these emails from constituents, that will filter down into um, or upwards into the in the ranks of labour and affect mm. how negotiations go. And we could actually help people who are fucking struggling to find an affordable home right now. So mm. please take a minute or two to contact your local MP if you can. 
and and senators too, really. And senators, I mean, right? That's should, true. should we be talking about senators first and foremost? Because I, I guess a lot of our people it be is, like, I voted for it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of a Senate issue. Um, yeah. Maybe it might end up going back through the lower house too if there are, if there are significant changes. But yes, you're. Um, yeah. You're yeah. And I touch. do think, yeah, it's really like I would say it's about lobbying Labor's position overall. But it's yeah. that's that's very true that right now, in theory, it's senators who will be mm-hmm. voting. Yeah. Another little update to Robo Debt Royal Commission carries on, even though my gov is all our, our Valentines and we love them. Mm. Um, we're going to get hearings back. Uh, the hearings are going to start back from Feb 20. Uh, mm. Michael Griffin, our producer, who is a Robo Debt warrior. Robo Stan. Robo Stan. Well, that sounds like <laughs> well, he likes them. Anti Stan. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, is based on the point in our show notes here. In December, Labor gave Catherine Campbell, the architect of RoboDebt, a promotion to a national security role that pays almost a million dollars a year, which is more than the fucking Prime Minister. Uh, you can write to your local member and ask, why did the Defence Minister do that? Why promote someone who oversaw the absolute travesty and crime that was the illegal RoboDebt scheme? Um, mm. That's something you can do too. You can also rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Uh, you can support the show on Patreon and follow us at Serious Danger AU on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We hit 3,000 followers on Twitter. Everyone, what do you think about Did that? we? Oh, thanks yeah. to your tweets. I, I, people probably can, I feel like people can probably tell that it's usually you tweeting on the Twitter and sometimes mm-hmm. sending into the Serious Danger group chat like a link to a tweet that you've made and being like <laughs> pretty proud of this one. I'm like, what would you like me to fave this time? Like, but um, clearly people are loving it. Well, you should yes. follow us for Tom's fantastic meme bitch, content. So. <laughs> Tom's going viral. <laughs> if you want to see it, you got to be following it. Yeah, please follow us. Follow us on the Instagram as well. And like you can message us if you want um, with ideas. People do that sometimes. It's sweet. You can message us compliments photos nice. feedback constructive criticism memes uh, you can email us anytime hello at seriousdangerpod.com thanks for listening everyone bye thanks bye this is a serious danger